We have to go back! everyone and welcome back to the flashback flicks retro movie podcast i'm ricky i'm grayson and we are rounding up this month of movie sequels we like to call it sequelary here on the podcast with our review of fantastic for rise of the silver surfer yeah it's problematic isn't it uh fantastic <laughs> four two one yeah it's... uh fantastic four by four <laughs> Um, well, it's got a uh, Hemi. It's got yeah, a Hemi. Yeah, it is. Uh, so we're reviewing this movie because Invisible Man is out in the theaters, and we are That's the cleverest. Mm. We're the cleverest human beings. And uh, so we're reviewing fan uh, two-stick for colon Rise of the Silver Surfer. So if you don't remember the first Fantastic Four, that's okay. We have no. you covered with us some Get out. <laughs> Go back and do your homework. Uh, so this is a sequel to the previous iteration of the Fantastic Four, the live action Fantastic Four that came out uh, just two years prior. And this follows the team of four. And it's the eve of Reed and Sue's marriage. A series of anomalies begin emerging across the globe, resulting in strange climactic shifts. Um, let me yeah. just put That's a just pin bad in luck. This. It's just, yeah, it's no. just really bad. It's an omen. You shouldn't get married. I, I mean, uh, if you're going to do an April wedding, you're going to get anomalies. <laughs> Your name is Storm. You have to account <laughs> it for was these a things. Personalized gift for your wedding. Oh, I got to put that in the headcanon. There we go. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So while initially downplayed, even the U.S. government reaches out to Reed in order to explain the sightings of a strange silver comet-like object in the vicinity of the events. Although doing his best to preoccupy himself with his wedding, Reed can't help but to examine it closer, which leads him to the startling realization that the end of the world could be imminent. Also kind of missing from the synopsis is that the Fantastic Four at this point in time are major celebrities. Like, I, people love if them. I were to use another um, movie as an example. It's kind of like Spider-Man and the beginning of Spider-Man 3, mm-hmm. which we all know is a great <laughs> sign of things to come for a movie um, when you're citing Spider-Man 3. Yeah, it's kind of like they all made the Iron Man speech together and like, we are all of this. Yes. Give us the money. <laughs> give us the love. Absolutely. Uh, and so, you know, the the whole cast reprises their role, and we have uh, Doug Jones uh, joining the cast as the Silver Surfer. Oh, I love it. And that guy is not afraid to hide his face and show his legs. Yeah. <laughs> He's willing to do it all for the art. And um, originally, he was going to voice the Silver Surfer himself, uh, hmm. but later on, they actually got Lauren Fishburne to lend his voice to the voice of of the silver surfer because fun fact originally he was going to be the voice of galactus oh uh, that makes but, sense yeah but, but yeah you, galactus has to have a mouth yeah. for for the voice to be there i mean you can all, uh, yeah i mean <laughs> i mean i mean i mean you need you need things like that we're, we're gonna get to it i promise doesn't uh, he mm, okay yeah <laughs> no i'm good i'm good yeah, so the original Fantastic Four made a lot of money. So much money. It made over $300 million, and so <laughs> they decided to make this movie with a budget of $130 million. That's great. Um, when it was originally released, it received 58 
million dollars opening weekend. And it was a strong open for the movie. Um, and with a total budget of 130 million, it went on to make 301 million worldwide. And you might be wondering, well, that's not how I remember it. I heard this movie was a box office bomb. And it technically was because, again, I feel like we've done this a lot on the podcast. And I think I'm just going to have to say it every single time. Movies, especially superhero movies, and I think this is kind of happening with Birds of Prey as well currently in the theaters. But, like, if movies don't do very well, like, stupidly well domestically, it's considered a failure even though it does well in other markets Mm -hmm. and so though this movie did do well and it did make its money back it wasn't the oh let's just make several more millions just off of this movie domestically and everything else is just the sprinkles um yeah and so hopefully that's changing i mm -hmm. i I feel like that trend is changing especially with parasite winning best picture that there is more of a, a global recognition but i guess commercially um, if that hasn't been taken into account, that's just that's just crazy. Uh, yeah. I mean, the money spins the same way, right? Yeah, it really does. It kind of makes you wonder: uh, Would there have been, you know, a third installment? Yeah, and originally there were plans to make a Silver Surfer standalone. Um, mm. And also, something that I never realized about this movie is that Kevin Feige is the executive producer for this film. Oh yeah, um, which features this movie. I think features. One of the first pre-MCU post-credit scenes. Post-credit scenes. It's also got the Stan Lee cameos, which we had seen in other Marvel, not Marvel. So that's not... That's not never like that. I mean, it's Stan Lee as himself. Yes. Insisting that it's him. Yes. Making one of the best cameos, not only because it's him himself, but this is actually a nod to the comics. Uh, mm. In the 1960s Fantastic Four comic, where Reed Richards and Sue Storm actually get married, uh, Stan Lee and series artist Jack Kirby are turned away from the wedding <laughs> um, for the exact same way. He's like, I'm saying I should be on the list. Uh, and this movie also does a couple of other things that are really interesting. Uh, given a PG rating, mm-hmm. the first Marvel film since Howard the Duck, how oh. did Howard the Duck get a PG rating is beyond me. Um, but, uh, yeah, so this movie also, um, I think was trying to reach a, um, a wider audience. So, um, I think that they did certain things and I have a theory about that. I'll get to it later, but, um, they they made some changes for this movie from the first one to the second one. They, um, made the thing suit, um, easier for Michael Chiklis to breathe in. Um, some of the prosthetics were easier to wear. It looks uh, better, too. It just Better it, ventilation. From yeah, what I remember, it kind of looked more solid. and mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you, you have something that I would only really expect to happen in something along the lines of Avengers Endgame, where you have a bunch of superpowers combining together <laughs> and defeating a otherworldly being in a way that I can only imagine being like, oh, this is a this is a comic book, comic book movie. Uh, the amalgamation of all the superpowers was pretty fun yeah. uh, for me. But um, but that all to say, that's all the information front ending about Fantastic Four, uh, two, one, blast off. Uh, I never saw this movie up until now. Up really? Until the podcast. Because really? if you remember... 
the very first Fantastic Four movie I remember watching in theaters, I was sorely disappointed by it. Mm. I it was one of the first movies where I saw the trailer and I was like, wait, people can lie to you about the what the movies are? because all of the action, like ninety percent of the action of the movie was in the last act. And so we're just watching all of this not action. And yeah. I was super excited because I watched the Fantastic Four uh, cartoon show, even like the old, old, like Hanna-Barbera era, like Fantastic Four. So I had like some familiarity with the Fantastic Four. I watched the cartoon show. Mm-hmm. And so I was excited to see the first movie and to the point where I said, nope, fool me once. Shame on me. <laughs> fool me. Wait, is it? Who's the shame on? It's, shame on. I think it's on them. because Shame on you for all the times people. I've been fooled. Mm. <laughs> Uh, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me, two, three, four, <laughs> five, stick times. Then that's all on me. So I d- didn't see the movie until this time, and yeah. I was honestly pleasantly surprised by this movie. It's weird. Hear me out. I will give Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer the same acknowledgement that I will give. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze. That is that uh, people give Ninja Turtles uh, Secret of the Ooze like a lot of flack. Like, it's so dumb. It's so silly. But my argument is that the very first Ninja Turtles movie, like back in the 90s, is an adaptation of the comic book, which is also darker, grittier. But the second one is an adaptation of the cartoon show that made it so popular. Mm. And so they are doing, it's like a live action adaptation of more slapsticky, goofier stuff. Uh, The Ninja Turtles in that movie don't um, use their weapons as much. Uh, There are lots of goofy sound effects. A popular artist makes their way into the world of the Ninja Turtles. It's just, it all screams, this is a live action cartoon. I would say that the Fantastic Four is the same except it is a live action movie that is a superhero sitcom interesting let me unpack that it's a live action movie that is a superhero sitcom so much in the realm of what we're probably going to get with wandavision yes okay okay absolutely because i mean if you look at it through that lens and that lens alone you kind of get what they're doing with this movie because Mm -hmm. Otherwise, none of this makes sense. Sue Storm is more concerned with her wedding than the world literally ending. Yeah, but Ricky, you and I are both married. We know. We we know. I take that back. We can't, Ricky. We can't. I understand uh, that, but no, I part of why I love this movie. I'll say for the end of the show for reasons to recommend, but I do think it is an inherently stronger film than the first movie. And I will defend that for up to 20 minutes uh, (laughs) if you want to debate that with me. But then I really should get some lunch. Uh, It's it's really strong in a lot of ways. And I do appreciate how they they try to uh, taper or balance some of the over-the-top cartoonishness with some personal stakes, like... Wanting to get married, just wanting to have a normal relationship. Basically, all of them have the same personal stakes, which is wanting to have some kind of normalcy 
in their relationships, um, whether it's the the wedding of Sue and Reed, whether it's Johnny uh, really just being able to settle down, or Ben after such a horrible breakup in the first movie because his wife like found him disgusting at, at, with all the rocks and stuff, being able to have a really solid relationship now. Um, his personal sakes are just don't mess up a good thing. Um, right. It's Carrie Washington. Don't mess up a good thing. So she will destroy you <laughs> otherwise. I, all of it is just about trying to find balance. And I appreciate uh, the attempt there. Uh, I feel like they, they land it within the realm of what this is. Like what you're saying, it's a live action cartoon in a lot of ways. Um, and I just really appreciated that because they are so fantastic like mm-hmm. having them have some sense of normalcy is what's going to ground these characters a- absolutely i mean and the fantastic four is really the first superhero team up like uh, comic especially for marvel i mean they're known as marvel's first family mm-hmm. they're also one of the few superheroes whose identities are known in the public eye and in the early 2000s celebrity culture was I mean, very much that. So I think it fits in the timeline of where the when the movie came out. And I think if you were to think, oh, well, what if superheroes were celebrities like this? I think that would play true to that. Yeah, that's a good point. Sponsorships, all that kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, all of that being said, there is one galactical thing that I have to just say. Well, I, I, we have a segment reserved for stuff we like sure this. We sure do, Grayson. Uh, I think it's called uh, Don't Think About It. Just don't think about <laughs> just, it. Just don't think about it. Just, uh, don't overthink it. Don't, just don't think about it. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Just take your galactate and stomach yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, <it's funny>. <laughs> <laughs> galactate. Uh, <laughs> more palatable. Galactus. Galactus. Uh, Who? Mini comps. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Cloud Atlas. Mm. Uh, uh, so Galactus, yeah. uh, for those of you who are not in the know, um, Galactus is a a, a world-eating being. Um, and, you know, I, I know my research. I know that he appears different to every civilization that sees him. He doesn't actually have... A true form, per se. Except for the um, one we all know. Yeah, except for the one that Earth 616 <laughs> is very familiar with. Oh. He is a giant being that is beyond all size and reason, and his only job is to destroy. He 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 is a non-biased Thanos. He's just mm-hmm. like, I'm just gonna eat this eat this planet eat this whatever just so i can sustain my life and also be the most powerful thing he actually created the silver surfer um because the whole backstory that silver surfer gave is like in order to save my planet i became his um what's it called his uh his his uber eats if you will yeah Oh yeah, yeah, right. yeah. No, yeah. He's postmating planets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. postmating. All right, let me just go go pick up this planet for you, and uh, here you go. Just gonna punch um, a bunch of holes in it. And, <laughs> you're good. Just how I like it. If yeah. he had a voice, I guess that means like the Man of Steel terraformer was like a microwave for <laughs> yeah. That Galactus. He just needed that. Much, They're yeah. like, oh, I don't need Silver Surfer. Just put this thing on it. Yeah, ready in 20 minutes, and then I'm getting lunch. <laughs> Um, this was a huge point of contention because 
I mean, it's Galactus. It's it's like it's almost like you would make a movie called Rise of the Silver Surfer, and then never show the Silver Surfer. What if the Silver Surfer was just like from the Silver Surfer's perspective, and it's just a first person's perspective of his interaction with? Anyway, I'd throw up on my knees. <laughs> What if they Cloverfield Fantastic Four? Oh, ooh. Uh, ooh, oh, oh! Well, save it for your remake. Circle with the C. Circle with the C. Um, <laughs> four with the circle. Four with the circle. Four with the circle. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't. I, I did my, I did as much research as I could to understand why they decided to do this, and they basically said, "Oh no, he just won't have a voice. He'll be this other thing," and. And Green Lantern was like, sure, yeah, why not? Let's do the thing that Fanforstic 2 by 2 did and just have our big ominous being just be a giant cloud. Anyway. Yeah. Don't overthink it, Ricky. That's, okay. that's my advice. Don't overthink it. But with, uh, to reject my own advice, mm-hmm. I... I really enjoy the character of Galactus. Uh, I love whenever he pops up, especially in games. Like he's the he's the big bad in the first Marvel Lego game. Like he's he's got cool stuff about him. And when I heard that Galactus was in this movie um, way back when, I was like, I told someone. Like, hey, I gotta, I gotta watch this movie because I'm a big Galactus fan. And basically, <laughs> Ben Mendelsohn as a scroll looked at me and shook his head and said, "No, uh, it's not going to happen." Oh, man. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I watched this movie for the first time when we watched the first Fantastic Four um, for our season four premiere. And I had kind of a Charlie's Angels effect where I watched the first one and then immediately had to watch the second. And so I've been waiting a while to talk about this um, because I just, I, I know it comes down to interpretation. You know, we didn't make the movie. There's a lot of stuff I really like about this movie that choices yeah. I wouldn't have made that I was delighted about. Yep. Galactus is a big one for me. And, um, I mean, you ever seen The Happening? More specifically, I should say... We uh, such great movies in more spe- comparison to this. More specifically, I should ask, have you ever seen The Bad Guy in The Happening? No? Same reason you never really saw The Bad Guy in this movie either. Um, I, so Grayson told yeah. me prior mm-hmm. to this movie, because again, I haven't seen this, I have heard things about the movie. But Grayson said, when you get to Galactus... Just let me know what you think. I didn't and even I, tee it up that much. I said you will get to a point in the movie <laughs> where information is given to you, and you'll say, "What? No, really? And Come he on!" Was, he was correct because I had heard that Galactus was just like, "Oh yeah, he's just some big cloud." I'm like, "Surely not." Well, I was in complete disbelief, and I watched. I'm like, "Okay, yeah, that's just like." Galactus's hand reaching through, right. which is or what, that's what like, you think that it's it's teeing it up for a reveal, right? What you don't realize is you're seeing all of it right there. Now, what I do see this, I appreciate it, and then I also don't at the same time because the shadows that they cast they reveal the shape you're expecting in shadows, 
And at certain, like when you're when you're yeah. zoomed out enough, you can kind of see like, well, maybe this is just his head, and he's like right. sucking it in. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you can't get over the fact that what was representing one of the biggest villains in in Marvel comics looks like what I clean out of my Dyson every week. <laughs> and that's a tough pill to swallow, um, but not for Galactus, because he can no. swallow worlds. Yeah, He, he devours Grayson, them. But Grayson, I just have to really remind you. Uh, yeah, what, what am I forgetting? Uh, just don't overthink it, man. That's right. Don't overthink yeah. it. Don't, don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Yeah. I think yeah, I right. think I've I think I've not overthought it enough, Grayson. So thank mm. you, thank you for reminding me of this segment. Yeah, just keep not overthinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, I I seriously think that this movie isn't as bad as as people make it seem, especially if you do look at it through the lens of like, okay, because I I thought that this movie was on par and feel free to fight me. Uh, we have a Twitter and social media for all of this. Um, but I feel like this was like no different than like Ant-Man. Um, oh, people are going to fight you on that. Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> people good. are really going to fight. <laughs> Bring the fight to our Twitter. We're oh, at Flashback Flicks. You just opened like, up a can of ants. <laughs> Um, and also, I know I'm not doing myself any favors by saying that the uh, writer of this movie is also the writer of Thor Dark World. But I, I feel like the role that Ant-Man plays in the MCU is one of basically like comic relief. Like it's it his he, he's like a comic relief, but he's also like a hero in his own right. But it's it's a it's a lightness. It's not as deep and serious as the other ones. It still has a little bit of heart to it. But mm-hmm. like you're not. It, it's the um it it's the Pixar short before the Pixar movie. Oh like, yeah. Like you're you're glad you saw it, but you know that that that's not like the feature that this whole story that we're telling is. Like yeah. I I just haven't been like I've enjoyed the Ant Man movies, but I'm not like oh Ant Man's my favorite. I know he is favorite for other people, and I'm offending you by saying that Fantastic Four is the same. But I think that if in the current MCU world that this movie would kind of fit in well interesting um, so you think that if it if it was connected to something larger it actually yes. would have would fare better uh almost like i mean guardians has a similar feel then of, yes uh there's so much ensemble to it but really doesn't want to lose the comedy right um yeah no i, I get that i get that i get that yeah and um i mean that's just like my opinion, man, and I also appreciated the uh, how they handled Doom coming back in this movie. I wasn't as upset with yeah. them bringing back a hero or a villain. In fact, I like. I wish they would do this more, like having villains come back with different motives, and um, you know them not being so easy to vanquish. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that's a fun thing, and I also like how they didn't actually like they weren't able really able to stop um, Cloud Atlas. They they were just like, well, I mean, we could just appeal to the Silver Surfer and see what he did, and 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 my or at least my theory mm-hmm. is that that wasn't all of Galactus. I don't think Galactus was oh. destroyed at the end of this movie. Um, I see. But I'm sure you've heard enough of that. Um, justifying this movie and comparing it to other movies that you probably love. So let's head on over to a show that we like to call Head Cannon. Head Cannon. 
Oh, I got eaten. It just got eaten up. <laughs> oh, no. Well, that's it. Uh, Headcan is the part of the show. We share a few unique ideas and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Um, in addition to that other headcan I mentioned, um, I really do think that um, that forest that they filmed in was actually the same forest that they filmed um, the other Fox property, X-Men, uh, or oh. most of the X. Anytime X-Men are in the forest, they're in that forest. Oh. So... <laughs> My headcan is that uh, it's one of those Fury's big week kind of things where uh-huh. they just ended up not occupying the same space at the same time. It's big forest. Um, so, yeah, it's big forest. I mean, what are the chances that two groups of superheroes are going to like meet each other? Astronomical. Uh, and, <laughs> and speaking of, uh, I also think that, you know, Fun fact about the Phoenix Force. Um, the Phoenix Force is to, um, like, you know, deep comic digging. Um, in the comics, when the Dark Phoenix Saga started, uh, when they came, when the X-Men came in contact with the Phoenix Force, it makes the same sound effect as the cosmic storm that gave the Fantastic Four their powers. Oh. So it was supposed to be like another wave of that like what would happen if a mutant actually had their powers amplified the same way that the fantastic four got their powers um and so it just further blends their worlds together and so that um the things that are happening with rise of silver surfer um might also have ripples in other uh of the x-men movies so i think that um you know Heroes nerds, uh, like basically it caused like an eclipse, basically. Uh, wow, kind of, wow, where do we wow, come from? Yeah, no, I dig that. That I had similar headcanon to that as well with the Silver Surfer and the X Men, just because of the rules that they lay out in this movie that the silver surfer changes the molecules of those he comes in contact with and he's flying all over the world which means he's mutating the dna of millions of people Mm -hmm. and i think if they had connected this to the x-men property that would have been a really interesting justification for the rise of more mutants uh, because this otherworldly force uh change their dna so uh, i think it makes a lot of sense uh, especially as the families coming in like x-men and fantastic four eventually will be folded into the mcu Mm -hmm. um the groundwork is there to really have it be pretty natural and and so i'm excited for that yeah i I think the harder connection is when you realize that this is actually the uh connective tissue between the day after tomorrow and brooklyn nine nine (laughs) you did it I was like, oh, yeah, I almost forgot about that. And you did it. Uh, the day after tomorrow, like, <laughs> as soon as I saw snow in Egypt, I'm like, oh, this is it. <laughs> this is the day after tomorrow. <laughs> Fantastic Four is... <laughs> day after tomorrow is happening. And meanwhile, Fantastic Four is going through wedding plans. Yeah. Like, people are dying. Jake Gyllenhaal is trying to get to his dad in New York. He's like, one day I will become Mysterio, and until then, I'm cold. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I love it. Uh, I I think there's just so many connections you can make with headcanon on this, too, where um, there's... uh, This isn't my theory, but I had heard someone else say that um, in 
Spider-Man Homecoming, happy when they're moving out of Stark slash Avengers Tower. He says, I've got to make way for the new tenants. A lot of people think that the new tenants will eventually be Fantastic Four. Yes. Uh, and then becomes the Baxter building. Nice. Uh, and it makes a lot of sense, just the construction of it and all that. But I know, you know people that are going to be really detailed about it. Uh, those are two separate buildings in two separate parts of town. Right. But what if? What if? What if? I also... Um, clumping this together because this also is not mine, but a theory that uh, I heard about before Endgame came out when people were speculating about, you know, the fate of Thanos and why he did what he did. Um, there, I heard a lot of theories about um, Silver Surfer and Galactus becoming the post-credit scene for what Endgame might eventually become and justifying why Thanos, you know, needed to wipe out half of all existence um and so this was happening at the time when the fox disney deal was going on and people were like yeah this this is gonna be it the theory was that thanos feels compelled to do this because the silver surfer bases what will be devoured on mass um he he wants to make sure that Mm. the largest um uh, like highest energy occupancy planets go first so that Galactus will get his fill with fewer planets having to be devoured. And so there was a theory that if Thanos snapped half existence out, that 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 would mean that universe uh, was, you know, half as dense. And if he somehow knew about Galactus, Galactus would pass them over. Obviously, that's not the way they went. But I thought it was an interesting theory worth noting about how they could have folded in uh, Silver Surfer and Galactus into the Thanos story and create you know, a, a villain even bigger than Thanos and kind of position him to some, in some ways, be a, a potential hero going about it the wrong way. But my primary headcanon, the one that doesn't just you know connect this, well, it does, uh, is that Johnny Storm was a secret shield clone. Uh, that they attempted to recreate Steve Rogers. If they couldn't get the serum, maybe they maybe there was something in his, you know, his body that they could redo. So they've been making these clones, and, but when he didn't show any inherent abilities, um, he stayed, uh, you know, in the military, pilot, all that kind of stuff, whatever. Um, but it meant he had a unique genetic code that allowed him to absorb. Um, Arguably the most powerful ability on the Fantastic Four team. Um, Why he wasn't just consumed. He can fly, he can do all this stuff. So um, if he's the genetic ancestor of Captain America... It also creates this nice dichotomy with, you know, fire and ice uh, being a big thing. Captain America, like, I, I kind of like that just poetically. Um, yeah. But my guess is, the story I'm, I'm concocting in my head is that, yes, this was a clone from Steve Rogers, but the sample was damaged and they had to supply uh, some of the, the chromosomes from Howard Stark, who would have been spearheading this in his later age. And so when you think about that, Johnny Storm really is the combination of Captain America with the attitude of Tony Stark because they are all genetically related. Wow. They're like half brothers or something. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's really, that's, that's really good. And then the headcanon that we discovered earlier was that, you know, Galactus just heard about the wedding and this was the personalized gift for Sue Storm. You're welcome. 
All right, now we're going to go into the part of the show where we like to talk about recast and remakes. R -r recast or remake. If this movie were to be made today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? Uh, I want to start my recast remake with a casting of Sir Will Not Be Making an Appearance in this film, a.k.a. Galactus. Um, <laughs> I would love it if Doug Jones and Andy Serkis, a la Two Kids in a Trench Coat, worked together. <laughs> To both play Galactus. We were your kids. We'd punish ourselves. Uh, so that's uh, that, that's where I want to start my recasting. Um, I, I really do love um, what every like. M I mean, most of the casting that they did, I honestly like don't hate. Uh, mm -hmm. Michael Chiklis, I just think that he should just be the thing. I think he should have like the legacy role, um, like kind of like how um, you know J. Jonah Jameson. Um, can only really be played by one person. I feel like mm -hmm. Michael Chiklis does the same with the thing. Yeah. Um, and as far as the rest, um, I think I'm gonna, you know, probably say what I said last time, which is what the internet thinks, and I think that I agree. And it's John Krasinski. Yep. I wrote it down as well. I mean, he really and, is the front and, runner. Yeah. And Emily Blunt. Yep. Yeah. It's, people uh, want people want this so badly. Yeah, to, to the kind of it's at the point where if they cast someone else, it's like uh, mistake. Yeah, probably yeah. a mistake. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, sure, they're probably gonna do fine, but it's not gonna be what the internet wants, and we all know that the internet wants what it wants. It wants what it wants. No, I I put the exact same casting for them, and Emily Blunt got me to Joseph Gordon-Levitt for Johnny Storm. Yep. Uh, which got me to... Storm was my middle name. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's nice. Here's a duffel bag. Um, which uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt got me to Bruce Willis as Ben Grimm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I think he can play the sadness, I think. Oh, yeah. That's what it was. Someone yeah. who's more or less unbreakable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yours is much more organic. I was thinking, <laughs> I see rock monsters. I see them all the time. They don't know they're rock monsters. <laughs> Yours uh, works yeah. too. Yours works too. Speaking of casting rumors, um, I, I saw a rumor this week that Rami Malek is oh. being considered for the Silver Surfer. Um, really? Which I think is interesting. I, I would really like to see Keanu Reeves in the Silver Surfer role. Man. Um, get a little bit of like a point break feel, a nice handoff from Morpheus to Neo. But yeah. um, I, I heard another rumor that Keanu is being spotted to possibly be Moon Knight. These are all rumors. None of these are confirmed. Because uh, they do be have good. plans to do Moon Knight down the line. So yeah. um, if anything, I actually think Remy Malik would be a pretty great Doctor Doom. Um, oh, for sure. I mean, he's going to have this masked villain in No Time to Die, and yep. um, he really is kind of positioning himself as this you know, chameleon character actor. So I think he'd be really great as Doctor Doom. Um, either way, I'm glad to, to bring him into the MCU. And then for Galactus, uh, really just any human. Um, <laughs> anybody with a, a humanoid form... Uh, I don't know. Brian Cranston is the go-to, but it doesn't have oh, to be yeah. him. It it could be the the guy at the coffee shop downstairs, um, because he's a human, <laughs> and not uh not a dust bunny. Uh yeah, 
Yeah, that's fair. I yeah. think it's good. And here's the thing, and we I forgot to mention this. Like I grew up watching the Silver Surfer cartoon on Fox Kids. Uh only ran for one season. It was like 13 episodes. And Galactus is in it. But like the 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 coolest thing with Galactus as a villain is that he unlike Thanos has zero agenda. It's just for him he's this galactic being and he can only really be reasoned with but he cannot be defeated like he's just undeniable just like an earth eater um and so yeah he's kind of like the kool-aid guy on a really big scale (laughs) oh yeah so i i think that there is potential and i think that if they were to uh do a remake they would probably need to lead up to galactus the same way that we led up to thanos Um, and i think that galactus would be a next level step up from Thanos because mm-hmm. Thanos was actually like a regular um villain in the uh cartoon show like Thanos like Silver in Surfer Fantastic and Thanos Four? were like oh interesting yeah like oh. or, uh, Thanos and Silver Surfer are just like going like head to head um and huh. it's I mean it's th- there is pot there's potential there is all I'm saying and I, I think that yeah. they can actually do it right and I I think my studio is maybe afraid of like, well, what? I mean, if he's supposed to be this big, all-powerful thing, so like, big, how can he yeah. be destroyed? Yeah, um, I think or, they're leading up to it well, though, because, I mean, to snap away half of existence, that's pretty big. A, a lot of people are thinking that Kang the Conqueror is, is going to be involved in the Loki mm. show because there's um, so many, like, time-jumping, you know, world-bending right. stuff there. It, that would be a pretty... I think that's the, the on-ramp you would really need to something as big as Galactus, right. where you can you know slip through different universes and have them devour worlds. So, uh, yeah, you're right. There's probably a fear of, how do we top that? Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, you and I used to teach improv to like little kids, and we know that when you extrapolate... Any story, its ultimate conclusion will always be the absolute end of the world. Yes. So if that's the play, yep. what do you do after that? Right. Mm, you get lunch. <laughs> you get lunch. All right. Now we're going to go into our final part of the show where we like to give you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend five, four, <laughs> three, uh, fan four stick, Fan two stick colon rise of the number two silver surfer. What did you say to me? <laughs> I don't know. I did you hear what I said? I no, I said it because I was there when I said it. I'd say the reason that I put the fan in Fantastic Four is that um, it is, as far as I know, the only Fantastic Four movie to date. I'm specifically talking about Rise of the Silver Surfer. That isn't completely about their origin story. Uh, it was Very really true. refreshing. Just be like, yeah. I get it. I can remember four powers and a fifth with <laughs> doom. Like, I know what they're about. Um, and it, it, w- it was really great just to be able to hop right in, deal with their lives. I feel like the people that made this really like Fantastic Four. Um, and I, I can appreciate that. They probably hate Galactus. I like pro- <laughs> probably Galactus really did them wrong. But I think it blends that superhero genre with very real stakes that are highly relatable. So um, I like this movie more than the original Fantastic Four. Um, definitely more than that one that they did just to keep the copyright. Um, 
I, I like it more than the the fan four stick uh, remake that they made, um, which, which had its own merits. But to me, if I had to pick one of the four Fantastic Four movies, Rise of the Silver Surfer is my go-to. No, that's very well said. I I, I think I agree too because. Um, like I said, the very first one, we spent so much time on their origin story that I was like, what are we watching? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I, and it didn't, it was low on the action. And this one has it, albeit still like 20 minutes in uh, with a big chase between the surfer and Johnny Storm, which by the way, if the whole movie was just them traveling around the world, like playing tag, I'd be fine with oh, it. Oh yeah, because that, that's pod racing. That- <laughs> Uh, it, it was really that was really fun. This movie was not as bad as people make it out to be, especially mm-hmm. when you look at it through the lens of it being kind of like okay, like if every superhero movie has its own tone, this one leans more comedic, yeah, and that's what they were focusing on. And I think that that's probably what they thought was the most interesting part of the Fantastic Four because they do have these public personas, whereas everyone else is lurking through the shadows, trying to have an altered identity. Um, altered identity, an alter, wait, secret identity? I forgot how words work. Um, but everyone else, like, superheroes by nature are trying to have that kind of, like, mask. Um, and they aren't. They're more in the public. They would be kind of like celebrities to us. And so, mm-hmm. uh, watching this, especially for the first time, I actually enjoyed it way more than I was expecting to. And I think it's because um, it's fun. And I get um, how it made sense in its time and also like you said so perfectly like of the four fantastic four movies this one is definitely like the best of them mm-hmm. uh because they have um stakes um uh, motivated action and um a really cool villain um yeah. slash not villain um and doom was actually used in a really clever way uh, that I was not expecting. I'm like, okay, how are they going to bring him back? It's like, oh, a cosmic entity comes through and wakes him up. I'm like, well, that tracks. Check. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, is it, oh, and then he helps them and then he betrays them. No, that's Doom, all right. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I mean, I I kind of wish that there was at least one more. Um, but I, I'd recommend it because uh, there is action. It is really fun. And... Uh, Doug Jones is a silver surfer is so good. Like if you like he's actually wearing the suit and they just do the silver effect on top of that. But like when he um de bedazzles, like that's just Doug Jones in the silver surfer suit. And I'm really oh, impressed yeah. with the practical suits that they built for this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want them to do more of that in the future. And that is our review of Fan for Stick. Two colon no, it's officially just called Fantastic Four colon Rise of Silver Surfer, which is also a pretty good title. Let us know what you remember about Fantastic Four Rise of Silver Surfer on our social media, where you're probably already angrily tweeting me about the Ant Man comment. I'm sorry. Uh, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, we are at Flashback Flicks, and it would mean a lot to us if you could leave us a rating and review. Um, I, I do want to give a shout out to uh, one of our listeners, Brandon, who actually did give us a rating review of five San Francisco. Oh, thanks for our review of Homeward Bound. Oh, uh, so uh, on a scale of one to five fours, the number four, how, oh. how would you rate this podcast? So that means a perfect score is a 20. Yes. Okay. 
That's fast math. Well done. It's five times four, right? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, I just took your word for it. Is it five fours or four fives? Got to be Reed Richards to figure this out. <laughs> Let us know what you think of this podcast. And that brings us to the conclusion of the 2020 edition of Sequelary. Feels like it just began. It did, because it's the shortest month of the year. Oh, that's right. But come next February, we will be bringing you exclusively sequels once again. But mm. until next time, make sure you're tuned in right here to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Well, with sequel area over, we are moving onward to review the Lord of the Rings. All three Lord of the Rings? Oh, I'm oh, pumped. So, Extended so, editions. Wait, no, I'm so sorry. The first one. Yeah. yeah that's <laughs> Fellowship of I, Fellowship of the Rings. I'll take what I can get. <laughs>